You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Ahmed Munawar, and I want you to join me in welcoming Matt Inglet to the show today. Matt is the founder of an agency called Tilted Pixel and the host of a podcast called Freelance Transformation. Love Matt's story. Matt started out building a local marketing agency in his hometown of Waterloo, Ontario, and he was doing really, really well by most standards. He was dominating some of the local search keywords. He was on the front page of his local newspaper, lots of referrals, lots of good publicity. But what Matt found was that as he grew the agency, he still wasn't making as much money personally as he would have hoped, and he wasn't achieving the kind of lifestyle that he wanted for himself. So what Matt decided to do was to right-size his agency and make the move to more of a micro-agency. So what he did was he's focused in on a specific niche. He built a remote team. He got rid of his office, and he moved halfway across the country. And what Matt found was that after taking those steps, he was able to charge far more for the work that his firm did and able to work far less than he used to as a result. And so now he can spend more time on other things outside of the business, like, for example, hosting his podcast, The Freelance Transformation. Ton of really great lessons for you to learn from Matt's story. You can grab the show notes to this episode at forecast.fm slash inglet. That's forecast.fm slash I-N-G-L-O-T. Before I let you go, if you haven't yet joined us inside our free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional service firms, you're going to want to check that out. Inside the course, I will show you a step-by-step process that you can use to generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge, and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com. You can spell out five or use the number. Either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Here's Matt. Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me today. So listen, why don't you kick this off by telling us a little bit about what you're doing right now, and then we'll, we'll dial back the clock after that. Sounds good. So I'm the owner of Tilted Pixel. It's a web agency that I've had for 12 years now. And I'm also the host of Freelance Transformation, a podcast that helps freelancers and consultants build a better business. Great. And what is Tilted Pixel and what kind of work do you do there? Yeah. So Tilted Pixel, I mean, the short answer is we build websites, but maybe a more detailed answer is we specifically build, uh, I guess we have two different business units. We build membership sites. Um, So any website where basically you need to have members subscribe to it, uh, pay with their credit card, get charged on a regular basis. um, And as a result of paying you, they have access to some sort of content or special functionality or so on. And then the other thing that we tend to do is websites for companies that need leads coming in. So companies that want to reach buyers online, but those buyers then have to get in contact with them because they're selling a service or a higher end product or something like that. So home builders or dentists or things like that. Okay, great. So can we now just dial back the clock and, and, you know, go back as far as you'd like or as far as relevant and (laughs) tell us how, how you got into doing this? Yeah, so the way I got into it was partially by accident, and it all started way back in university or for 
American Friends College. Um, I was in my second year of school, and at that point, I was living on my own. I had just moved out of my parents' house, so I was paying my own rent, my own tuition, my own beer, everything. My parents didn't have the money to send me to school, and I was able to do all that because I had the world's like most amazing uh, part-time job at a startup. Unfortunately, startups, as I've learned the hard way, tend to run out of money. And this one did just that. So a couple of months into my second year of school, with me feeling all independent and being like, I got this adult thing, um, I walked into work one day and I found out that one third of the company, including, of course, the part time student, was laid off immediately. And then that company was completely out of business within the year. So I ended up having to figure out what to do for money. So I knew how to build websites and I figured that was probably a little bit better than having to get a job, you know, slinging coffee or burgers or something. So I started looking for clients and I, just people I could build websites for. And I didn't really know how to do it. Like, how do you get clients? What's a client? Why would people need websites? But I knew I needed money and I knew how to build websites. So I just started telling people that that's what I did. I built websites uh, and I created a name for myself, Tilted Pixel. And pretty soon I had my first client where I sold a website for a whopping $300. And $100 of that promptly went to my friend um, who was a graphic designer and could actually design the site. And then I pocketed 200 and did the programming and content management. And I had my first client. And that's kind of where it all started. And from there, you know, fast forward 12 years, uh, I'm still running that business. Yeah, I was going to say that usually the part time student is the first person you let go and you have cash flow issues. <laughs> yes, yes. I learned that the hard way as no, well. And, not, and fair enough. <laughs> not the most secure job in the world. Now, what were you doing at that startup? Were you doing the same kind of web marketing work or something else? I think my official title was sales engineer. Um, which was kind of a weird title because I wasn't particularly doing sales and I was not an engineer, uh, but I basically helped them out with marketing. I did some web stuff. I did some programming stuff. I helped them out with marketing strategy as well. Although, again, being a student, I'm not quite sure how much I knew. But yeah, I, I was basically doing a mix of marketing and programming and whatever they needed the part-time student to do. So tell me the story of how you went from a college student or university student building websites for $300. And I know you're charging a lot more than that now. But tell us the story of how you went from there to, you know, basically building and running a, a full-fledged agency. Yeah, absolutely. So after that first website... For a while, that's what I was doing. I was going to school and I was building websites on the side and I was bringing in some money, but it wasn't, you know, a sustainable income necessarily. But very quickly, the websites did start to get more expensive. So the next website I sold, I had walked into a store. I chit chatted with the small business owner a bit and I walked out with check in hand for $700 to build a website for them, which was more than double the first website. And I kind of kept talking to people. I networked. I, I went to any business event. And I was this shy, nerdy, like 20-something-year-old. So I didn't know how to do any of this. But again, I needed money. And that turns out to be a pretty good motivator. So I went. I networked. I talked to people. It was very awkward a lot of the time. Um, but every once in a while, I got a client out of it. And 
as I kept getting clients and as I kept raising my prices, something started happening. I started realizing that I was actually making decent money on this, more money than I would get paid if I if I went and co-op job, basically like an internship. So there came a point where I had to make a decision. I could keep, uh, you know, doing this on the side, but also go the route of trying to build a career, start getting some internships while in school and, you know, making money that way and preparing myself to graduate and get a job. Or I could keep running my business. And I mean, I spent maybe eight months of my life total in a cubicle. And that was more than enough. Um, I am not employable. So any potential employers listening to this, I'm not employable. Don't even bother. Um, it's not the world for me. So the idea of trying to build my own business was way more appealing. So while I was still going to school, I decided I'm actually going to make this a real business. So I did the two craziest things in my life. And again, remember, I was a student. I had no money. Um, I rented an office and I hired my first full-time employee, a PHP developer. So, you know, not exactly a cheap position. And I got those two things miraculously. And then I was out there selling my heart out and trying to figure out how to build an agency without having ever run one or worked at one and making sure that I had enough money coming in, not just for rent and beer and all that student stuff, but suddenly thousands and thousands of dollars to pay for an employee and office space and so on. And that's kind of, yeah, I, I think that would be the point where I really said this is going to be a full time thing. And then I kind of put school on hold and I did eventually finish my degree as we were chatting about before the interview. But um, yeah, while I was still in school, I decided, yeah, I'm going to start hiring people, having an office space and all that fun stuff. So, I mean, this sounds like a very common trajectory, right? You get a little bit of growth, you get a little bit of money in the bank and then I guess the default move for most people is, well, I, I got to I got to hire. Right? I got mm -hmm. to turn this thing into a real business. I need the office space. I need the staff. Uh, I need all the, 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 the frills of a real marketing agency. How did that pan out for you? Uh, not very well. So this is where we get into mistakes happening. So you're right. That is a very common trajectory because you assume if you're having a little bit of success, then the next thing that you're supposed to do is scale out that success. And I was based in Waterloo, Ontario, by the way, which is like Canada's little Silicon Valley. You're trying to be a major tech hub, major entrepreneurship hub. So you end up having this mindset drilled into you everywhere in that city where you got to scale, you got to get funding, um, you got to grow big. That's the only path. So I, I, I was pretty much drinking that Kool-Aid uh, the whole time I was there. So of course, you know, when I got my little bit of success, that's what I thought I had to do as well. The problem with that is at that point, I didn't really know what an agency was much less how to run one. And although I was doing pretty well, as long as I was a student, I didn't have much overhead. Um, as soon as I tried to scale things out and take on all of these expenses, I suddenly got a very hard lesson in what it actually costs to run a business. 
And that's when I realized that there were fundamental flaws in my business model. So I didn't have any repeatable way to find clients, for example. Everything I had done up to that point was basically just hope. Um, If I talked to enough people, I would get enough clients that I would kind of scrape by. Um, It turns out my pricing was way too low. And I didn't really realize that because, again, I I didn't really have bad experience in that industry. But uh, what you're able to charge a client sounds like when you're a student with very little expenses, it's not a lot uh, when you have overhead and everything that needs to be paid. And because my business model was broken in those two ways, what ended up happening was um, for a while I kind of scraped by. Um, I was able to pay my employee and then I hired a second employee and I kind of started growing a team and I was able to get a bigger office space thanks to this crazy $70,000 loan that I got that nobody should have actually given me. Um, But I guess I'm very good at convincing people to give me money. Um, So I built it up to a point where I had several employees full time. I had an office space, but I had never gone back and really fixed that business model. And eventually all of that overhead ended up catching up to me. And at the end of 2010, beginning of 2011, I was at a point where I was basically just done. I had been working 80-hour weeks for as long as I could remember. I had all sorts of stress and anxiety problems. And at the end of the day, my business just wasn't making a lot of money. Um, Certainly not as much as I could be if I just took full-time employment. So I knew I had to fix this or I had to shut down the business. But one of those things had to happen. So that's when I started really diving into the books and started really looking at whether this was salvageable. And this is something that I really should have done every few months the whole time I was running a business. But I finally really looked at the financials and I finally assessed how the business was doing. And I realized that maybe there was something there if I changed a few things about my business model. And that's when I proceeded to completely revamp my agency so that now it's remote. um, There's no office space. Uh, everybody that works for me is a contractor. So I basically hire freelancers, um, and we charge a whole heck of a lot more money than we used to, which is the weird part. When I had an office space, I was charging maybe $5,000 for your typical website. Um, now the minimum size of project that we'll work with is 20,000 and they just go up from there. And at the same time, our overhead is lower. So you do the math. So tell me, how did that feel when you realized that the, the amount of money you were making running this this big, you know, quote unquote, successful marketing agency was less than what you would have earned in a job. How did that feel? It sucks. It sucks a lot. And it sucks, especially when you have that mental script in your head that you're successful, because that's the other thing, like from the outside looking in. Um, I was a local success story. At one point, I was even on the front page of a special tech edition of the local newspaper uh, with my face holding a, with my face inside a laptop. And it was a pretty big deal. And, you know, my whole school was rooting for me. Um, but the reality was just so different that for years I was just scraping by. And initially it's okay because you just tell yourself that's all right because in three years we're going to have millions of dollars and everything will be fine. Um, So you don't really mind it. But 
by the time year three rolls around and you're still kind of scraping by, you know, you, you're, you're living as cheap as you can. I had one or two years where I think we technically broke even or even lost a bit of money. Um, eventually it really grinds on you because you realize that you're putting so much work and so much stress into this, but you're just not getting any sort of reward back. Um, and I frankly don't know how I did it for as long as I did because eventually it does break you. Um, but I guess I was stubborn and the good thing about being stubborn is I was able to persevere. The bad thing about being stubborn is I didn't seek help earlier. I didn't really look at why the business wasn't working earlier. I just kind of kept bullheadedly pushing forward. So you come to this realization and I guess there's, there's probably two ways you could have gone, right? Because there, there is a way to build a build an agency. There is a way to go the traditional model and make it profitable and to make it work. Um, why did you choose to scale down and, and go the micro agency route instead of fixing the business model and, and doing it the traditional way, but, but doing it better? Well, I'd argue that I did fix the business model, right? Um, but you're right. There's a couple different ways that this could have gone. Um, when I originally started the business, I did think that I was going to build this crazy multi-million dollar agency. But I thought that mostly because that's how I was trained to think. That was kind of the whole mentality in Waterloo. And I'm not blaming Waterloo for, you know, <laughs> my mistakes, but that was the only business model that I had ever really been exposed to. And that was the only way of thinking. But when I started trying to grow that kind of business and I started realizing how my job evolved as the business grew, um, I realized I didn't actually enjoy that life. And that was probably the bigger factor than the money was just the fact that when I looked at, okay, this is what it's like to have this team. And now if I scale it up and now I have like 50 people or a hundred people or hundreds of people working for me, the kind of job that I'm creating for myself, managing these people and managing this type of business isn't at all actually what I want to do. It's just what I thought I wanted to do. But I didn't enjoy having to go into an office every day. Like, I hated that. I hated the fact that I had a commute. It was a five-minute commute, and it's still, it was a commute. Um, I hated the fact that uh, I was still in an office environment. Um, you know, it was a nice office. We had like 11 different colors of paint on the walls, and it looked gorgeous, but it was still an office at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I could have built the business in that traditional model and I could have made a lot of money doing it, but I mean, at the end of the day, I know I wouldn't have been happy and I don't know that I could have even gotten to that point because if you're not happy running your business, you're not happy on a day to day with what you're doing. It's actually very hard to do it. So it's very possible that before I ever reached that level, I would have just burnt out completely versus the path I chose um, is a path that's highly profitable. I make a very, very good income, but um, it's a path where, I mean, I've basically got it for most months of a year. I've got a 20 hour a week business. It gives me time to do something else like the Freelance Transformation Podcast. I get to work from home. 
Um, I get to be location independent. I did get to do cool stuff. Like my wife and I spent a month rock climbing in Croatia a few years back. And we basically wake up every morning, we'd go rock climbing. And then, you know, I'd take care of client emails and stuff when we got back. Um, that's the kind of life I want. And I would prioritize that over just making money for the sake of it. It's not that, you know, making millions of dollars wouldn't be a great thing, but the longer, I'm in business. The more I do this stuff, the more I realize that how you make that money is way more important than actually having it. It's the whole journey versus the destination. So um, if someone handed me, you know, several million dollars, I'd take it. Um, but it's not worth building a business that I would wake up every day and say, hey, I hate this business. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's a critical point that a lot of people overlook. It's it's not just the skills. I mean, you certainly have the skills and had the skills to build a quote unquote real traditional agency and you would have made it work, I'm sure. But if your heart wasn't in it, then then you then no amount of skills would have saved you. Yeah, that's precisely a problem. And I think that gets overlooked so much of the time because, again, the narrative is you got to scale, you got to grow, you got to build a big business and make the millions of dollars and stuff. Well, I mean, again, millions of dollars will be nice, but all of us have to die at some point. It's not going to stay with you forever. Um, so I'm much happier enjoying every day. And I, again, I, I live very comfortably um, and my business is growing. Um, and in the meantime, I get to do a lot of cool things that I would not get to do if I was trying to grow this crazy traditional agency model. I've, I've met a lot of agency owners um, and some are very happy running their agencies, but I know a lot who just simply aren't. Well, that's the thing, right? To each his own. There's there's no one path. And I find that quite often you have to be in that environment. You have to have the team. You have to have the overhead until before you realize that that's not actually what you want. And some people enjoy it. They like being the manager. They like being the owner. They like being a few levels removed from clients and the work. And and they thrive on that, and that's that's fine for them. Uh, I, I'm more like you. <laughs> I realized when I was when I was managing a, a marketing team of five six people um, in a consulting environment, I realized that the headaches of management were not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be closer to clients. I wanted to be creating value for people and not not managing other people. So, I um, mean, it certainly is an individual path. Let me ask you this: uh, I think a lot of folks who uh, you know are considering going that kind of micro firm, micro agency route are probably at some level um, self-conscious that they won't be perceived uh, as a real business. Was that a challenge for you at all? That was probably the number one thing that I worried about in making that move. Um, and it's the one thing that almost prevented me from doing it. And I'm so glad I did it anyway. And the reality is on a day-to-day -day basis, it hasn't been an issue at all. Um, I don't think all of our clients even don't have an office. It, it just never comes up. Um, and even when we made that move um, and got rid of that office and, you know, eventually clients found out about it, um, a few were a little worried. I mean, are these guys going out of business? What's happening? But when they saw that everything was normal, service was as normal. In fact, they were getting better service because I had more time to serve the clients properly because I was spending less time dealing with all sorts of other headaches, uh, they very quickly got used to it and it became a non-issue. So in my head, I had 
this whole scenario built out where I was expecting like half our clients to leave and then we just keep working with the other half. But it, it never happened. I, I don't think a single client ever left because we no longer had an office. Um, I think what clients value the most is that you can solve their problem and that you can solve it well. And I think people are starting to really catch on that just because you have a flashy office space and really nice couches and stuff doesn't mean that you're actually any good at your work. And this assumes that you're even finding clients locally. Um, over time, I've shifted to where more and more of my clients are remote. In fact, I made a big move half halfway across the country a couple of years ago. So now I don't live anywhere near any of my clients. So if you're not operating on the model where the client comes to you, meets at your office, um, then it becomes a non-issue. And you can always meet at the client's office if you're just hell-bent on this idea that in-person meetings are essential. That's cool. Um, you can meet at the client's office. They're already paying for that overhead for you. Um, and you don't have to trap yourself in that brick-and-mortar model if that's not your thing. Well, and, and the brick-and-mortar mo model certainly has an appeal, right? And I think a lot of clients, they choose professionals and consultants and marketing agencies based on location, right? So that's why a common search term mm -hmm. is, you know, marketing agency, my city, right? They want to find someone mm -hmm. close by. They can walk into the office. They can shake their hands. They can have in-person meetings. Um, and it's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like that was a big part of what you were doing in the early days. Um, my question is, how did your value proposition have to shift when you were no longer that local marketing firm? Yeah, and I think that's an excellent point because you can you can get away with a lot uh, just by optimizing for the kind of search term that you mentioned. You're right. People search for stuff like uh, web development, Waterloo, web design, Waterloo. And we used to just dominate uh, some of those search terms. In fact, at one point we were showing up on the homepage of Google four times for the same search term because we had our organic listing, our paid listing, our local map, and a YouTube video that we had created. And they were all coming up on the front page of Google. It was crazy. Uh, so that obviously brought in some business. But the much bigger source of clients, especially really great clients, even back in those days, was referrals. Um, and your network transcends local boundaries or it can transcend local boundaries. Um, so um, that definitely doesn't limit you to your local area, especially if you start going to conferences and events and things like that. Um, of course, another approach to finding clients is content marketing. Um, where, you know, you build out a podcast or a blog or something, you create content, you create value. Um, and also just taking a firmer stance in the market goes a long way. So rather than just being a jack of all trades and offering to do anything for everybody, um, if you just focus on being really good at a few things, you start attracting those people that really want somebody that's really good at those things. And then location stops mattering. Um, because if you're a client looking locally for an agency, um, you're going to find a lot of agencies, particularly in any reasonable size city. Um, but as soon as you're looking at an agency that's good at one specific thing, um, then it gets harder to identify them because a lot of them just claim they do everything. And that's where, again, you go back to word of mouth or you get back to content marketing or some of these other strategies that completely transcend 
local marketing completely transcend like Google local search. And suddenly you don't have to worry about whether you can find clients just because you're not within, you know, 50 miles of them. Now, you seem to have a pretty well dialed in uh, niche focus now in terms of what you're doing with Tilted Pixel. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you arose, uh, how you came to that kind of focus? Yeah. And honestly, a lot of it was trial and error. And I think that's one of the problems is when you first start an agency, people tell you you have to focus. And that's absolutely true. But a lot of the times the way that you arrive at focusing is by doing client projects and kind of realizing over time what you're good at. And what I realized is there was basically two things we're good at. And eventually we should really just whittle it down to one. But right now we do two things. We do membership sites. The reason we got into membership sites is we just happened to have some clients that came to us that wanted membership sites. And it turns out that our combination of technology and talent and processes um, put us in a direction where we were very good at building them much better than I would say most people out there, um, because we had mastered credit card payments and the whole payment processing space long before it became easy. Um, we had built out a lot of technology that turned out to be really effective for building a membership site. Um, and once you get a few clients that you do a particular type of project for, it becomes very or it becomes easier to find other clients with a similar need. So going back to networking and referrals and that kind of thing, you naturally attract more of those types of clients. So that's what happened with membership sites. And then the other thing that we do is basically marketing websites for companies that need to generate leads. And we can probably even narrow that down to professional services or something that needs to be generate leads. Who knows? Um, but that again was just experience. We found that of the client projects that we were getting, um, the people that tended to want to pay us a premium price, um, that we enjoyed working with, um, that we got good results for tended to be companies with that problem versus other clients we got where their websites weren't necessarily generating leads for them or doing some other important function. They were the clients that were less inclined to pay a premium price. They're the ones that were more inclined to price shop. They're the ones that were less interested in the success of their website. And something clicked in me and I was like, wait a minute, um, if a client stands to gain a lot from building this website, in other words, they're going to make a lot of money from building their website. They're going to be way more likely to pay us a lot of money to build a website. It's really that simple. So we realized there's a couple things we're really good at. And over time, we just started focusing more and more on just those types of clients. And now if you're not looking for one of those two things, there's a very good chance I'm just going to pass on the project um, because it doesn't make sense for us to um, pursue all of these other crazy things that we technically could do, but which we don't have the processes for that. We don't have the positioning for that. We don't have the experience for compared to where we found our specialties and strengths. You mentioned that in the early days, one of your realizations was that you lacked a repeatable system to generate new business. What does that look like for you now? Yeah. So there's a couple things that I do on a regular basis uh, that brings in all the clients that we need. Uh, first and foremost is actually existing clients. 
uh, which oftentimes agencies completely forget about that. And it kills me to see. But existing clients are a huge portion of our new business because if you can build an amazing relationship with your client um, and if you continue working with them, if you continue communicating with them, it's very easy to identify new opportunities um, to do to solve problems for them, uh, to do more work for them. So one of the best things that I have done, and I think I've done very well, is built up those client relationships. So there's been multiple occasions where we've started off with a project somewhere in the 10 to $20,000 mark. And over time, that relationship has grown to 50,000, 60, 100,000, 150,000 over the years. And that's all because I've been very proactive. And what I do is I make sure that, you know, all of the clients that, you know, we've done great work for, that we've had a great relationship with, that I always stay in touch with them. In fact, I do something called strategy calls where um, every few months I'll get in touch with some clients and I'll just set up a call just to see how the website's doing. And the goal of that call call is to learn more about how their business is doing, how the website is performing in relation to that, and see if there's any opportunities to do something for them that they don't even realize is an opportunity, but which is going to make a lot more money for them and which is obviously going to make money for us. For example, the example I like to use, once I sat down with a client for coffee for a strategy call, and by the end of it, I had sold $1,000 analytics review. And thanks to a thousand dollar analytics review, I then sold a $40,000 redesign. So that was well worth my, you know, hour of coffee drinking with the client and learning about their business. The other thing that I do for generating new business is I, I, I really heavily, strongly believe in referrals and active networking. Um, so I'm constantly reconnecting with people in my network. I'm constantly, um, setting up calls, getting introductions. I make introductions for a lot of people and that naturally leads to people making introductions back to me. Um, I'm always just making those connections in my network and it sounds so cheesy, but the thing is it works and it works extraordinarily well. Um, because that means that when people come to you, they're rarely coming to you cold. Now, that said, we, we do get leads in other ways. I mean, just by virtue of having had a website up for 12 years and still having some of that local presence, even though I'm no longer based in Waterloo, um, I get leads all the time from just people looking for a web agency. But those tend to not be as high quality leads. The high quality leads tend to be referrals from people that understand what you do understand who you're looking for as a client, and then can make those connections for you. So if you feel like you don't have those people in your network, then honestly, the best thing I can recommend is change that. Start going to conferences, um, start connecting with the people that can either be clients for you or who can connect you with ideal clients for you. Excellent, excellent advice. Matt, let's let's close this out by talking a little bit about the work that you're doing at Freelance Transformation. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the that's one of the things that I get to do because my agency um 
doesn't suck up 80 hours a week of my time anymore. Um, so a couple of years ago, I started Freelance Transformation. It's a podcast and website dedicated to helping freelancers and consultants build a better business. Uh, we've I've interviewed over 130 successful freelancers, consultants, agency owners on that show. And that's also where I've been coaching people um, and now I even have a course on how to actually find clients and how to actually think strategically about selling your consulting services um, so that you can actually make um, the good money, the good income, the good life instead of making all of those common mistakes that lead to that situation where you're constantly overworked and at the same time you're not really making a whole lot of money because, hey, I've been there. It's not a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, Matt, if folks want to look you up, uh, both your firm and and the podcast, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if you want to connect with me uh, via our agency work, uh, my agency is called Tilted Pixel. You can check it out at TiltedPixel.com. Um, if you're a consultant, professional services provider, agency owner, then the link you probably want is FreelanceTransformation.com because that's where you'll find the podcasts and tools and resources on how to build a better consulting business. Excellent. And we're going to have links to all of that in the show notes to this episode. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Before I let you go, there are two things I want you to do. The first is if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play by visiting forecast.fm and clicking on the relevant link. While you're at it, please do leave us a rating or a review because it helps more people discover the show. The second thing is I want you to grab my free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms. Inside the course, you will get a step-by-step -step framework to help you generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com and you can spell out five or use the number either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.